Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni here with Shay Dixon to recap Arkansas and LSU on a quick podcast. Obviously, Arkansas defeats LSU 16-13 in overtime in what was a, I mean, cold by my standards game being from Texas. I mean, I'm sure it was cold. It was cold for you. I know that. Um, and not not the prettiest game, Shay. So what, what were some of your takeaways? Well, I think that this game reminded me, I said this in the quick takeaways on the board after the game, but it was almost like you just went back in a time capsule to last week's game against Alabama, took out the team, took out the stadium they were playing in, replaced them with Arkansas, replaced it with Tiger Stadium, and it's the same result. The defense forced what? they A 48-yard field goal in the opening drive of the game, Matty B, and then they go for forcing six straight punts in the half. Arkansas makes some adjustments. Kendall Bryles is a great OC. They've obviously got some talented weapons there on offense, but nothing that ever, you know, was too much for LSU to overcome. Well, it was offensively, but defensively, they didn't overwhelm them. KJ Jefferson was under 150 yards. No running back went for over 50 yards. KJ Jefferson didn't rush for more than 50 yards. So all in all, you bottled up the Arkansas defense. They scored 16 points between regulation and overtime. It all falls back that the offense has no rhythm. Offensive coordinator Jake Peets, it's becoming increasingly clear that this job was a bit too big for him as a first-time play caller. And whether you want to roll, and I'll let you weigh in on Nuss, but we got to see Max for two drives. They punted on both those drives. Then they went with Nuss for the rest of the game. There was a point where you and I were watching on the sidelines in the fourth quarter. Six, seven, eight minutes left. LSU would have a couple possessions after that where it looked like Max was stretching, had his helmet on, was going to go back in. And they just rolled with Nuss. Obviously, neither quarterback really did much for him to write home about. Uh, you get the one touchdown out of Nuss to Besh. But beyond that, it was field goals. It was a missed field goal. And you come away with 13 points. That's completely inexcusable. You should win every game where the other team only scores 16 points, especially if you've gone to overtime and three of those points have come from there. It just falls back on the offense. Kudos to Ty Davis-Price. He went over 100 yards again, but they found nothing in terms of play calling rhythm or anything in the passing game with Keishon Butte out. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of just the same story as last week, except this week they at least tried Garrett Nussmeyer in. So we had that in the back of our heads, like, okay, maybe Garrett can provide the spark this offense needs. Right. But in the end, we found out it's not really about the quarterback. I mean, yes, would having Joe Burrow on this offense make it better, of course, but between the way that, a, not having Keishon Boutte, and B, just the play calling becoming completely predictable, whether that is, which, uh, well, you've talked about a lot uh, with the extra tight end being uh, Doomerville and having Jack Mashburn in, basically having seven offensive linemen and running the ball. Like, Arkansas was ready for that. By the second quarter, they had adjusted to it. Um, LSU ran the ball for 42 yards in the first quarter, ends the game with 108 yards. And so, and in the second and third quarter, I believe they rushed for 10 yards total. Like, it was just very predictable and then when they got into short short yardage situations it became the pass play the go-to pass play was that 
uh, like triple slants type play, and Arkansas was all over it. They just started blitzing it and, and uh, shading on the inside, and they just broke it up time after time. And Garrett Nussmeyer, I give him a lot of credit on that play to Jack Besh because that is a play that Max Johnson would not have made. Max Johnson might have tucked it and ran it for like three yards, but at least you give your receivers a chance in that situation. But at the end of the day, I mean, he had two picks. Obviously, the one on the fade on the the in the overtime cost them the game. I mean, but Ogeron said after the game, it was a called play. You know, it was that was the design just to throw it up on the on the fade ball, and it got picked. So, um, for for those one, I mean, I think we saw why Garrett Nussbier to me is the more talented quarterback. I thought just his arm talent, his ability to throw on the run, his ability to make um more impactful plays for this offense was big but it's not just it's not about the quarterback at this point it's about play calling it's about it's about just this systematic kind of issue that this offense has had for this entire season with with, especially since Keishon Boutte has gone down and that's really just the the most disheartening thing is for like you said the defense to play it's hard out to play just an incredible game Damone Clark Michael Baskerville defensive line the secondary again depleted it didn't matter. And that that's what really sucked about it. That's how I led my recap. I mean, when that field goal was going through the uprights, there was nothing the defense could do. I mean, it's just, that's how it played out. No, absolutely. And I think a turning point of the game play call wise, and maybe for Nuss was the wildcat quarterback call. I mean, they had seemed to settle seemed to settle Nussmeyer into the game. He just hit on a couple throws. You get into the red zone. And then you call a play where afterwards Orgeron said, I'm not sure we've even practiced that play more than a handful of times this year. I think he said once. And now you're having your running back take direct snaps in the red zone when your freshman quarterback just got settled in, trying to be cute when you don't need to. You can barely, you can barely get off your plays normally. What's the point of trying to get too creative with it? I thought that was the game changer. And what they, at the time they were up 10 to 3. They, that yeah. could have been 13 to three. That could have been 17 to three. And, and ultimately when you then see them come back and you lose 16 to 13, that's a major difference maker. That was a point in the game where you could have gotten points that ultimately no doubt would have led you to tying this game, being ahead in this game late uh, and in a totally different spot. So that was, that sort of summed up the bad night of offensive play calling for me is that crucial moment, which look, it doesn't come down to one, you know, thing that's what Orgeron says all the time it, it doesn't come down to that last play where Nuss get hit Nuss got picked there were a lot of things that led to that I thought that wildcat quarterback call where ultimately Ty Davis fumbles the ball was one of the most crucial kind of turning points of the game and yeah. and now I wonder moving forward Matty B we didn't hear O say anything about this after the game but what are they going to do at quarterback they've got two more games that they need to win them both to even be bowl eligible they need to win them both to even save a 500 season and you went what I mean, they probably went 12 drives with Nuss, 11, 12. They gave Max two. And the result, yeah. as you said, you had some, they do, they approach it differently. They, you can argue, hey, would Nuss have done that or would Max have done this? But to me, the net result remains the same. They're not getting production out of either of them. And I don't know if that's a play calling thing or a development thing with quarterbacks or what, but whatever it is, it, it doesn't seem like at the end of the day, you're getting all that much different from both of them. Yeah, and the, the start thing was that we saw LSU try that wildcat, wildcat formation, and it obviously didn't work. But then Arkansas pulled out trick play after trick play after trick play, and it just showed the kind of difference in preparation on offensive side of the ball and the willingness to be 
different to a degree, right? Uh, meanwhile, LSU was running out the same pack personnel packages time after time. Arkansas was faking field goals and being doing it well and catching LSU completely off guard. And that just kind of showed the difference for me because how does Arkansas with 281 yards for the game win the game? It's because they did the fake field goal and he, albeit didn't score a touchdown and they had chances to score a touchdown. They just executed better when it, they, when it meant well, when they had to, and they had the three turnovers. So um, it, for me, it, it, we can talk about, and I'm sure we will with Billy as well on Monday with the whole quarterback situation. For me, it's, it has to be Garrett Nussmeyer moving forward. Um, I will say, if you are Max Johnson, you have to feel a little bit slighted because you got two uh, two drives, right? You only got two, and Nussmeyer takes the range from there and gets the rest of the game. I'll be, and he didn't even play that well, right? You give him a little bit longer of a leash there, and that's what if you're Max Johnson, you gotta be like, all right, I couldn't get a third or fourth drive. I couldn't start the second half, like you know, get something in there. And I'm not saying he should have because I think Garrett's better, but. And next week's not going to show us anything, right? UL Monroe, what is that going to show us, right? If Garrett comes out and throws for 300 yards and Max comes in and throws for 400 yards, like that's not going to show us anything. So it's just, it's a prolonged thing till we get to the AM game and we're still going to be sitting here like, what are they going to do? Well, and right. I mean, this is also one of the things where they got into that discussion of, are you going to burn the red shirt? Well, if he plays one more snap, the red shirt's burned. And I don't understand. I guess I could answer my own question here. Then again, expect the unexpected with how they're doing things on offense. Why, if you're not going to put Max back in that game at all, and as you noted, Nuss didn't even play that well, but you're going to let him play the whole game. Why would you go back to Max versus ULM? Wouldn't that be the time to actually let Nuss get out there and really settle in, really run some plays that you think could kind of, set him up for what would then be the A&M game? Because if you're going right back to Max against ULM and then you're letting Nussmeyer play in the second half versus ULM or whatever it is, well, then you're right back to where you started. Nuss was already doing that against the bad teams this year. I mean, Ole Miss, he got in in the fourth quarter, but they were getting they were getting beaten up in that one. I, I would be a bit surprised if they don't. I mean, like, you almost have to think they're just going to start Nuss this week. I, I wouldn't understand why you're letting him go the whole Arkansas game and then – cut that off and put Max right back in for ULM. If you wanted to put Max back in, you should have put him back in at the end of that game. Yeah. Um, the thing for me, and I'm just looking at the box score right now, it's incredible. Arkansas goes three of 16 on third downs. And I, I do want to end this, because uh, we're going to keep this much longer, because I, I think that we've covered the offense in a good amount. Also, shout out Ty Davis-Price again for his his outing. But defensively, Durante Jones needs to, and I think Ed Orgeron to a degree, but I think mostly Durante Jones because I think this is more of his style of defense. We got, we got to give a round of applause for him, man. He has just completely shifted the way that this defense plays, the way this defense looks. I mean, to catch Arkansas off off guard the amount of times they did, um, I believe that Michael Baskerville sack that he had uh, where he came off the edge in the first half and just completely unblocked. I mean, there were plays like that all the time. They were just creating free rushers, and that's something they never happened besides the last two games. And I, I questioned if that Alabama game was a fluke or not and if that teams would adjust to that and how they would adjust to the adjustments. And they have just com- continued to disguise, blitz, and just change their coverages up really, really well. So shout-out to Ronte Jones. Great job there. Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, you I talked after the game again to Damone Clark, and him and Micah Baskerville have been awesome, and they were both really good last night against Arkansas, and both them said credit to Blake Baker, that he's taken them 
um, really elevated that game in a first-year linebacker coach role. We've heard the D linemen who have really over the course of the year have been solid, even when they were just having to rush four. They were getting pressure at times, especially earlier in the year. Uh, they've credited, obviously, Andre Carter. And then Corey Raymond is working out two All-Americans at corner. He was playing two nickels transfers for a lot of the Bama games. <laughs> and this week against Arkansas. You're down to Cam Lewis, a six-year guy at safety. Jay Ward's your only healthy DB that you started the season with. Slot spinning and out. You're having to play Darren Evans and Ray Darius Jones, all these guys. So defensively, I think personnel, the players, I think the coaches, all of them have sort of seemed to, to come into a bit of a harmony over the past couple of weeks. Uh, the bye week did them plenty of good. As, as embarrassing as it sounded, right, when it, O came out and said, we did sell scouting. We're so predictable on defense. It's time to change it up. Well, everybody changed it up, and they looked pretty good, especially second and third stringers. The offense granted down a couple of offensive linemen in this game, but over the course of the year, they've been relatively healthy. You wonder where the self-scouting is there. It's just been predictability stretches after predictable stretches. I mean, it was it's just been tough to watch one side of the ball really change and the other side of the ball just remain the same and stagnant. Yep. Arkansas ran 80 plays, and on 10 of those, LSU had a tackle for loss. So, I mean, just an outstanding game. Um, I don't have anything else here um, as far as the specifics go. Do you got anything else before we wrap it up? No, we're good. It's uh, what Sunday morning. Matty B is about to, to reboot out there. Florida Gulf Coast, LSU. Yes, sir. Kim Mulkey time. Let, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Um, yeah, also, I mean, Cade York missed a field goal, but we don't even need to talk about that. I, I said it was weird well, when it came you off. can get into the debate that why didn't they kick it at the end of the game? Like, why weren't? Yep. Why didn't they give him a 50-yarder? I mean, he clearly – you saw it and called it right then. Cade York has 60 in his leg or more. He just mishit yeah. it. He hit it fat. And when he did, it went way short. I I didn't understand. And I think they actually got what that – they moved it. But I still would have wondered why you weren't just kicking that field goal. Uh, at the end of the game, trying to give him that long ball. That's right. That, they kicked it, and then they ended up not getting it or whatever it was. False started on fourth and one. Yep. Painful. Yep. It was a painful loss for LSU as they dropped and four and six. Go ahead. Second week in a row where they decided not to kick field goals with Cade York and yep. just keep going for the win. I don't get it. Arguably their best offensive weapon right now. Um, I don't even know if it's arguable. It probably probably is. Um, besides Ty Davis Price, shout out to him. But yeah, uh, painful loss for LSU. Drops to four and six on the year. They got UL Monroe and Texas A&M left both at home. So we will be there for that. Check out our podcast on Monday with Billy and Shay. Um, and we'll have y'all with the uh, football coverage, basketball coverage, recruiting coverage, all that good stuff. So check us out on our socials. Uh, go 247. Uh, follow us on Twitter, which you can see right here on our handles. And we'll talk to y'all later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.